This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with us today from The Young Turks, The Rachel Maddow Show, New Left Media, The David Pakman Show, The Double X Gab Fest, and The Matthew Filipovich Show. And a note for our female listeners, you may wish to have a male friend nearby to help explain this episode to you. Better yet, they could just listen to it for you and then tell you what it's about. Representative uh, Larry Pittman is a state representative in North Carolina. He's a Republican, and apparently he despises Planned Parenthood, and he doesn't hide it. Uh, here's what he said. Uh, Planned Parenthood is, quote, getting wealthy on murder for hire. There's been over 6,000 attacks on abortion providers since 1977. Over 6,000 attacks. Gee, I wonder why. It's probably not the Larry Pittmans of the world that say you do murder for hire. I mean, if you thought somebody was murdering innocent kids, what would you do? Remember when, of course, Fox News, Bill O'Reilly especially, kept saying, Dr. Tiller, the baby killer, Dr. Tiller, the baby killer. And then, shockingly, somebody shot Dr. Tiller and killed him. Oh, but Bill O'Reilly couldn't have seen that coming. Larry Pittman can't see it coming. Here he goes again. He says, Planned Parenthood deals out nothing but deception, death, personal devastation, and moral degradation. Egging him on, egging him on. All right, and then, he's not done yet, one more. Never will I agree to give that bloody, indecent, immoral organization one penny. I will not be satisfied until it is outlawed. Bloody, indecent, immoral, murder for hire. What, me, me? Did I encourage people to go take the law into their own hands? I would never do that. No, golly gee willikers. By the way, this moron said, well, 75% of the revenue for Planned Parenthood comes from abortions. Apparently that statement was not intended to be factual because the reality is 3% of the revenue comes from abortions, not 75%. But guys like Larry Pittman don't care about facts. They just want to rile you up, get you all emotional, and let you loose. See what kind of damage you can do. We can disagree with one another. And I get very passionate and fired up in disagreeing with others. But when you start saying the other guy is murderous and bloody and has blood on his hands, you're basically asking your audience, what are you going to do about it? That's out of bounds, man. But for Republicans these days, nothing is out of bounds. You just egg people on worse and worse every single day. I can't get to sleep. In 2008, Colorado voted on personhood. Colorado residents were asked that year if they would like to ban all abortions, as well as the most popular forms of birth control, as well as in vitro fertilization, and maybe also to criminalize some women's miscarriages. Colorado voters said no to that by a three-to-one margin. The effort to criminalize abortion and birth control and IVF by means of declaring a fertilized egg to be a personhood just got crushed in Colorado in 2008. Then the personhood folks gave it another shot two years later in 2010. How's about it, Colorado? New. 
When given a second chance at personhood for fertilized eggs, Colorado said no again. Again by a huge margin, by more than 40 points. But they are doing it again. The anti-abortion, anti-birth control personhood folks have already turned in enough signatures to get the personhood amendment back on the Colorado ballot this fall. Again. Which obviously is good news for Democrats running for office in Colorado this year. I mean, think about it. If you're a Colorado Democrat and you're worried that the presidential race or maybe your race won't be enough to get your voters to come out to the vote, uh, come out to polls, uh, how about the prospect of banning birth control? You think that might motivate some folks who would otherwise not bother to turn out? Because they can read polls too, Colorado Republicans this time, uh, even the super conservative, super anti-abortion Colorado Republicans are sprinting away from this year's personhood thing as fast as they can. Uh, a spokesman for uh, Republican Congressman Mike Kaufman tells the Colorado statesman, the congressman doesn't take positions on any state and local ballot initiatives. Uh, same goes for Republican Congressman Cory Gardner's office. Quote, as a federal legislator, Cory will not be taking positions on state initiatives. Even Republican congressional candidate Joe Coors says he's refusing to endorse personhood 3.0 in Colorado. The same Joe Coors donated $1,000 to the personhood campaign just two years ago. But this year, as a candidate, person what? Person who? Leave me out of it. Another one of these personhood measures was on the ballot in Mississippi last fall. If it can pass anywhere, right? In October of last year, Mike Huckabee was one of the political celebrities working to try to pass personhood in Mississippi, to try to criminalize abortion and hormonal birth control. In that capacity on his Fox News TV show, Mike Huckabee asked Mitt Romney if he would have supported personhood in Massachusetts. Would you have supported the constitutional amendment that would have established the definition of life at conception? Absolutely. Absolutely. That was Mitt Romney, October of last year, signing on to a policy that would ban all abortions with no exceptions for rape or incest. It would ban most forms of birth control. It would likely ban in vitro fertilization. That's what Mitt Romney said he, is, he would absolutely support as of October of last year. But in Mississippi, a totally grassroots opposition movement grew up around this issue. Personhood opponents held a Save the Pill rally in Oxford, Mississippi in October. Uh, billboards like these ones went up around the state. Vote no to personhood for eggs. And Amendment 26 makes birth control a lethal weapon. And with that, Mississippi said no to personhood by a big double-digit margin. That's Mississippi. The thing Mitt Romney said he would absolutely support was so extreme that not even the uber-conservative electorate of the great state of Mississippi wanted anything to do with it. The Romney campaign has been trying to run away from that position Mr. Romney took pretty much ever since he took it. When the Obama campaign started running ads last month attacking Mr. Romney for holding exactly that position, for advocating a ban on all abortion with no exceptions, the Romney campaign pushback was immediate. They called the ads viciously negative and false. In order to prove it was false, they pointed to another time last summer when Mitt Romney said something different about his position on abortion. The Romney campaign did not want Mr. Romney to be seen as the guy who wants to ban all abortion with no exceptions, even though he has said he would like to do that. And it's empirically proven to be a massively unpopular position, even in the reddest of red states. And that is one of the reasons why Paul Ryan is such a baffling choice for the Romney ticket. Congressman Paul Ryan, now presumptive vice presidential nominee Paul Ryan, co-sponsored a bill in the House that is a federal version of the personhood amendment, the abortion and hormonal birth control ban, the same one that even Mississippi voters rejected last fall. How'd you like it for the whole country? 
The National Personhood Bill that Paul Ryan co-sponsored declares that, quote, the life of each human being begins with fertilization, cloning, or its functional equivalent, at which time every human being shall have all the legal and constitutional attributes of pr and privileges of personhood. And they get really specific about when precisely an egg becomes a person. Quote, the term fertilization means the process of a human spermatozoan penetrating the cell membrane of a human oocyte to create a human zygote, a one-celled human embryo, which is a new, unique human being. That's Paul Ryan. That's Paul Ryan's bill. That's who Mitt Romney put on the ticket. Things did not work out well for Republicans when they tried to campaign against health insurance covering birth control earlier this year. After a lot of bluster over it and a failed vote in the Senate, the House Republican leadership just tried very quietly to walk away from the issue. Well, if you like how it went when Republicans invade against insurance coverage for birth control this year, how do you think it's going to go now that a federal ban on the most popular forms of birth control has just been put on the Republican presidential ticket? Are Mitt Romney and Paul Ryan both going to campaign on Paul Ryan's proposed national ban on most in vitro fertilization and the most popular forms of birth control in the country? When they announced the vice presidential pick, it was sort of surreal to see Virginia Governor Bob McDonnell there, right, introducing Mitt Romney and Paul Ryan. The whole thing was staged in front of a decommissioned battleship in Virginia. I mean, there's Bob McDonnell, who hails from a true swing state, who has real executive experience, who actually served in the military, which makes it not embarrassing for him to be using that battleship as a political prop. Why couldn't Mitt Romney have picked him? Well, of course, Mitt Romney couldn't pick him because Bob McDonnell blew his vice presidential chances when he became governor ultrasound, right? Forcing medically unnecessary ultrasounds on Virginia women and forcing them to pay for it. Yes, Bob McDonnell blew it. And so Mitt Romney went instead with the Republican budget wonk guy, right? With none of that baggage. Except, of course, Paul Ryan is not just the Republican budget wonk guy. In addition to his sponsoring the ban on all abortion and the most popular forms of birth control and most in vitro fertilization for the whole country in Congress, this session, Congressman Ryan has also supported a federal version of Bob McDonald's Virginia forced ultrasound bill. He sponsored a federal bill to force women seeking an abortion to undergo a medical procedure regardless of whether or not they want it, regardless of whether or not their doctor thinks it's the right decision, but just because the government says you have to. The latest NBC Wall Street Journal poll has Mitt Romney losing women to President Obama by 15 points. So I guess now is as good a time as any to welcome Congressman Ultrasound to the Republican ticket. As an anti-consumerism advocate, I'd like to encourage you to shop less, don't buy things you don't need, and only buy the necessities from local, independently owned businesses. That said, if you don't take this good advice, then at least there's a way to shop that helps support this show at the same time. Simply click through to Amazon.com, just one of the major companies under constant boycott by one liberal cause or another, from the banner posted at bestoftheleft.com. Better yet, click through just once and bookmark that link to use every time you shop. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal. It will cost you nothing extra, but 7 to 8% of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. Thanks for doing the right thing, whatever you consider that to be. Birth control continues to be the surprise issue of this election year. Because of the health reform law that we passed, women 
finally have more power to make their choices about their health care. The federal government should not tax these people to pay for Planned Parenthood. If we are going to pay for your contraceptives and thus pay for you to have sex, we want you to post the videos online. They want to control how we dress. They want to control how we act. They even want to control the decisions we make about our own health and our own bodies. We have a Republican Party that is led by John Boehner in the House of Representatives waging a war against women and women's health care. It is completely wrong for politics to be getting involved in this issue at all. This is about a woman's health care, a woman's life, and this should not be in the political realm. A way of, of control for the ruling class, which is often the men, is to, is to subjugate the, the women. And one of the most effective ways to do that is to, uh, is to deny them their access to reproductive health. The new health care law requires religious hospitals, colleges, and other institutions to include contraceptive coverage. Preventive care should include coverage of contraceptive services such as birth control. Contraceptive should be about equality and about freedom for women. You know, if you look at what men can do to control their reproduction, they can go to any supermarket or any pharmacy and pick up condoms and have a very reliable form of birth control to control their fertility. Women don't have that right. We have to go to a physician, we have to get a prescription, we have to go to the pharmacy, we have to get it filled. And now we have government coming in trying to take that away. If the president does not reverse the department's attack on religious freedom, then the Congress must. Under the bill, in order for a woman to have her birth control paid by her employer, she needs to prove that she takes the pill for medical reasons and not to prevent pregnancy. It is a crazy situation when in 2012, there is a House hearing to talk about contraception. And for some reason, the Republican chair brought before that committee an entire panel of men to talk about contraception. You're having a panel on women's health. Where are the women? Why would we not have an equal number of women and men? You can have an entire panel of women. They're dealing with it every single day of their lives. No woman can call herself free until she can choose consciously whether she will or will not be a mother. I love this quote. Contraceptives are so important. They allow families to decide how many children they choose to have, what spacing they choose to have. We forget how dangerous and how scary pregnancy can be. I mean, women used to die very often in pregnancy, and it's because of our ability to control reproduction that so many women today don't have those complications. Sandra Fluke is a Georgetown University law student who appeared at a Democratic event last week, arguing the Obama administration rule requiring free contraception is critical for women's health. It makes her a slut, right? Makes her a prostitute. She wants to be paid to have sex. 50% of what I use birth control pills specifically for, but also IUDs and other contraceptive methods, is not for birth control. It's for controlling numerous other issues besides contraceptive purposes.
Title X is a program that actually started in 1970. It was a bipartisan initiative that gave federal grants to provide comprehensive health care for women. Title X funding is about providing uh, women across the country with access to, to health care. I mean, just basic family planning. Not only just contraceptive benefits, but breast exams, pap smear screening, which is so important for prevention of invasive cervical cancer. In so many parts of the country, it's the only place they have access to health care. Because they are poor, they don't qualify for Medicaid, they're working, but they don't have health insurance. 70% of the women who are served by Title X funds are actually below the poverty level. 66% are uninsured. I just can't quite get into the heads of the Republicans on wanting to shift women back decades by not allowing them the access to health care that they need. Years, as of now, we are headed for a government shutdown. Republicans keep pushing this rider, this provision, banning all federal funding to Planned Parenthood. If liberals are uh, unwilling to embrace even this modest step toward fiscal discipline, then I, I say shut it down. They can shut down America's government over women's access to health care. Ironic that they would say this is going to save funds uh, and help our deficit when it's actually going to cost more. Preventive health services save money. If you're taking birth control pills, you're less likely to get pregnant. Tell me which is more expensive. None of this makes sense. If you want to lower your health care dollars, if, then we should absolutely be preventing unintended pregnancies and we should be providing preventative health care. It's going to cost us a lot more to take care of them walking into an emergency room than it is in the small investment of preventative health care. It's such a small amount of money that does so much good. The largest abortion provider in America should not also be the largest recipient of federal funding under Title X. There are so many groups that try to make this about abortion. Again, Title X funds do not um, provide abortions. No federal dollars go to any abortions in this country. That is the law. In our federal government, we have someone who stands up and says, If you want an abortion, you go to Planned Parenthood. And that's well over 90% of what Planned Parenthood does. It's exactly the opposite. 97% is comprehensive health care for women. 3% is abortion services. I don't understand the political agenda. If it's about reducing the number of abortions, then it doesn't make sense. Because if you want to reduce the number of abortions, support Title X programs, support programs like Planned Parenthood. You are preventing abortions. Mississippi's personhood amendment is part of a national movement to restrict a woman's ability to obtain a legal abortion. This week, lawmakers in New Hampshire will vote on a bill requiring pregnant women to wait 24 hours for an abortion. A furor gripped Virginia's state legislature in recent days as Republicans pushed to mandate ultrasound testing, which would be internal for many women seeking abortions.
the legislatures in some of these states, Texas, Mississippi, Nebraska, have already put in very draconian measures to try to prevent women access to the full range of health care. You look at, for example, the um, transvaginal ultrasound bill in Virginia, and you have someone who's trying to, a, a government that's trying to step in and say that a woman needs an unnecessary uh, procedure. You know, unfortunately, I don't think people understand the medicine enough, and I think even some of the members of Congress don't understand the medicine enough to be making these decisions. There's a, a bill that was passed in Ohio that does not allow for terminations or interruptions of pregnancies after 20 weeks of pregnancy. You know, we have patients routinely come in for a mid trimester ultrasound, and we discover that there's something catastrophically abnormal. Com completely unable to, that child is completely unable to survive, they have no option but to continue that pregnancy now. So in this sense, these bills aren't just misguided, they're dangerous. They're dangerous. They're dangerous for women. Enough is enough. These, these things have been decided. We want women to have the full range of choices in their lives, and we're going to fight to protect it. We have begun to be complacent, I believe, and taking for granted the protections and benefits and access to services that uh, we, uh, we assume, sort of, and particularly young people assume, is going to be there forever and for everyone. Damage is being done today. Women are suffering today. Women are not equal in different states because of where they live. If it should come to pass, then we're back to ground zero, where we've been in the past, where women have had to go back alleys for certain treatments and, and uh, incurring uh, uh, deprivation of their opportunities to succeed in the workplace, uh, to go on and build productive lives. It sets us back. Every woman in this country should have, the, have equal access to the full range of health care choices, and we have to win this fight. criticizing Ann Romney for Rafalka and the dressage horses. Um, and, you know, she feels that this really has to do with envy. Women are mm. jealous mm. of Ann Romney. But why? Let's watch. Recently, the lefty wags went on about Mrs. Romney's $1,000 blouse, a scandal. But the $7,000 jacket Michelle Obama wore to Buckingham Palace drew only approving nods from her many fa fans in the left-wing media. Don't try to make any sense of this hypocrisy, for with their inborn sense of class warfare, as well as their funny clothes, the ladies of the press really believe they're acting on principle, except that the principle is driven by envy, envy of a woman who managed to do exactly what their mothers told them, although they would never admit it. Marry a good, preferably rich man, raise your children full time, and dress like a lady. Come on, girls. Playfair. Oh, how unbearable is she? I, she, look, remember, this is the woman who thinks that our female soldiers should expect to get sexually assaulted in the military, 
Right. She's like, I mean, what did you think was going to happen to you? I mean, if you don't go try to find a rich husband and you go try to get your own profession, what do you expect? Of course you're going to get sexually assaulted. Why don't you be a good little girl? But, you know, it's interesting. In her loathsome comments, you get a great sense of how they actually think. They think the job of a woman is to go find a good, rich husband and settle down and dress really pretty and ride dressage horses. And if you don't do that, in their mind, you're a failure. I am proud to say that my mom has never ever once told me go find and marry a rich man in fact I am proud to say that that's not even a concern for me because I'm more interested in contributing to a marriage both intellectually financially uh, emotionally you have to you can't just be like a pretty face that sits there and sucks money out of a guy like what kind of marriage is that and to only think about I know some people are interested in that but how unhappy would that life be Look, to me, uh, the idea of marrying just a pretty girl uh, is s actually sucks because, uh, I mean, it, I hope she's pretty, mm -hmm. but the, the whole point is whether you get along or not. What are you going to do for the rest of your life? You're going to sit there with this woman who, if you don't respect her and you don't can't have a conversation with her, oh, but she dresses pretty and has a dressage horse, and she's you know spitting out kids and bare feet in the kitchen, yay! I mean, but that's uh, Fox News. That's what that's what they think. They think they're old school, and that's what they want. And so, should you look up to uh, Justice Sotomayor or you know Kagan or anything like that? No, they made you know ah, oh, they're just bitter that they're not <laughs> suckers. They got to go actually work on the Supreme Court the rest of their lives when Ann Romney's wearing you know uh, wearing pretty clothes and you know on a dressage horse. You're obviously bitter. It's, it's really pathetic. I mean, it's not one thing for a guy to say it, but to get this sellout woman to come on here and say that that's the, what you should strive for as a woman, so pathetic. It's so Fox News. The mission of this show is to aggregate and amplify the best voices of the truly liberal media, and now you can play a critical role in helping fulfill that mission. I pick out the best clips I hear to share with you, and now you can do just the same thing extremely easily. Now available at bestoftheleft.com, each clip I play is made available individually with simple buttons that allow you to share your favorites on your networks through Facebook, Twitter, by email, and beyond. By myself, I can amplify this content to thousands of people, but collectively, we have the potential to reach millions. No kidding. Become your own media activist by taking one minute to share your favorite content a couple of days each week, help more people plug into the truly liberal media, and be an integral part of this extremely virtuous cycle. Thanks so much for your help. A Kansas doctor is under attack for not forcing a 10-year-old rape victim to give birth. Shocking, isn't it, Lewis? No. No, not in Kansas. Dr. Ann Newhouse bravely took up the cause of women's rights, and bravely, I say, because Christian jihadist Scott Rader murdered Dr. George Tiller in 2009. Now Dr. Newhouse might actually lose her license for the, quote, sin of not forcing a mentally ill 10-year-old to carry her uncle's baby to term. This story, you get kind of desensitized to these stories, Lewis, when you read about them time after time. And then when you really step back and think about it, it's, it's literally sickening that this woman is being criticized for not forcing this girl to have her uncle's child 
at age 10. Yeah. It's obviously, it's like a, it's like a mechanism to become desensitized to this stuff because if yeah. we didn't, it would just be overwhelming. There are people in Kansas who think it is proper that a 10-year-old who was raped and impregnated by a family member and has mental illness should be forced to have a child. Who would raise that child then? Well, they would say you, she would uh, give it up for ad adoption. She's 10, okay? And countless indications that even having a baby in this state at age 10 would cause incredible trauma that if she's lucky, in the rest of her life, she might be able to maybe start to recover from. Physical trauma as well. Physical trauma as well, no question about it. Now, the Kansas Medical Board includes a former lawyer for Operation Rescue, which is a anti-abortion, really an anti-choice group, produced an, a, quote, expert that testified that abortion can never be considered to have a positive impact on a patient's mental health, and therefore, Dr. Newhouse's opinion that the best possible outcome for this 10-year-old uh, uh, child would be to have an abortion can't possibly be right. Of course, that's not the point being argued. What we're talking about here is what would be the least bad. Not what, not, not would an abortion be wonderful with waterfalls and flowers and cinnamon, right? We're not talking about yeah. that. We're talking about the least disastrous situation. And in this case, it is not for the 10-year-old girl to have her uncle's child, which uh, uh, she, uh, after a, a rape impregnation. It's just not. No, not not the logical solution. It's We can't even really use the term pro-life anymore. I haven't been using it for a while, but now it really should just be called conscripted gestation. That's really what we're talking about here when it comes to uh, pregnancy and the religious right. Uh, that's a mouthful. I mean, I think, I think, I think anti-choice, well, doesn't have really the same connotation. No, and many times anti-choice is anti-life. Yes. Pregnant women are smug. Nobody says it because they're pregnant. F and son of a gun. You think you're so deep now? You give me the creeps now that you're pregnant. I can't count all the ways how you speak in cliches now. So, do you want a boy or a girl? Oh, it doesn't matter as long as it's healthy. Really? Because I don't feel like those two things are related. It's not like one or the other. No, no, as long as it's healthy. Hmm. I can't wait to hear someone say Don't care if it's brain dead, don't care if it's limbless, if it has a penis Pregnant women are smug Everyone knows it, nobody says it because they're pregnant Do you know the actor Ryan Gosling? A few years ago, I can't believe it was a few years ago, but it was a couple of years ago, a fan site for Ryan Gosling uh, popped up online and became an instant hit. It changed the world online. Um, the site had kind of a profane name that I will not repeat here, uh, but needless to say, it specialized in photos of Ryan Gosling looking very handsome, and those photos were paired with sweet and funny taglines superimposed over the photo as if they were word bubbles, things he was saying. So, like this one where Mr. Gosling says, hey girl, I was just thinking about how awesome you are. Or, or this one, um, hey girl, I heard you like saving the environment and gas money, so I got a hybrid. This one, uh, hey girl, I heard you like beards, so I grew one last night. Uh, if you have not seen the original Ryan Gosling version that started it all, you have probably seen uh, some of the spin-offs. For example, there is uh, the feminist version of the Ryan Gosling hey girl meme. At the feminist Ryan Gosling site, he still says hey girl, uh, but it comes out like this. 
Hey girl, the post-feminist fetishization of motherhood is deeply rooted in classism, but I still think we'd make cute babies. Or, <laughs> hey girl, <laughs> gender is a social construct, but everyone likes to cuddle. Or, hey girl, you built a room of your own and a room in my heart. The Ryan Gosling hey girl meme has even intersected uh, with other internet memes over time. Like remember the texts from Hillary thing from earlier this year? See at the bottom there, Hillary Clinton text message conversation, her texting from that badass military plane. So her text message conversations are imagineered onto a photo of her on that military plane. And here's the one with her and Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling texts her, texts her, hey girl, and she responds, it's Madam Secretary. There's also a Ryan Gosling hey girl meme for librarians. Uh, there's one for museums. There's one where he specifically talks only about how much he loves national public radio. <laughs> but the hey girl thing has spread even beyond Ryan Gosling. Wisconsin Congressman Paul Ryan has been the subject of a hey girl fan site uh, since roughly April. On the fan site he is shown saying uh, funny things about the budget while looking cute. But now that Paul Ryan is not just a congressman from Wisconsin, now that he is the presumptive Republican nominee for vice president, now Paul Ryan's hey girl meme has gone a whole new direction. As in, hey girl, you're pretty fine, but fertilized eggs should have more rights than you. XO Paul Ryan. Or, hey girl, got birth control? Not for long. XO Paul Ryan. Or, hey girl, I'm the last choice you'll ever be allowed to make. XO Paul Ryan. Or this one, um, hey girl, I'm from the 1970s, but my ideas about your body are from the 1950s. XOXO, Paul Ryan. Um, hey girl, you'll love my choices for your body. XOXO, Paul Ryan. Uh, the folks behind the new Hey Girl Paul Ryan website made themselves known at a campaign event for Congressman Ryan today in Colorado. They made themselves known by way of an airplane trailing a banner behind it. CNBC's Iman Javers noticed it during the event and tweeted a photo of it. It's a little hard to read at this distance, but the banner being towed behind the airplane says, Hey girl, choose me, lose choice. P. Ryan. But there's even more to the Paul Ryan, Ryan Gosling mashup internet meme right now. Uh, there's now a Twitter account registered to Paul Ryan Gosling. Paul Ryan Gosling's recent tweets include, Hey girl, you look so cute when you're losing your reproductive rights. And, Hey girl, I would have voted for the Fair Pay Act, but Lily Ledbetter, I hardly know her. At his event today in Colorado, the same one with the airplane towing the Hey Girl, Choose Me, Lose Choice banner, uh, the same one with that banner flying past, uh, the folks at Politico.com got word of a Paul Ryan-themed prank at the event. You had to submit your name in order to get an admission ticket to the event. An admission ticket for the event was issued to somebody who said their name was Fertilized Egg. See, there it is on the ticket. Name of attendee, Fertilized Egg. And if you look at who ordered the ticket for Fertilized Egg, it says the person who ordered the ticket was Fertzi Eggers. <laughs> what all this is about um, with Paul Ryan is this. The whole idea of Fertzi Eggers, the whole idea of a fertilized egg being declared a person for political purposes, really has special resonance in Colorado, where this event was today. The, the personhood for fertilized eggs idea is the ragged, radical edge of the anti-abortion movement in this country this year. Declaring a fertilized egg to be a person 
is a way to not just crack down on abortion rights, but to criminalize all abortion in every circumstance, with no exceptions, and to criminalize everything else that could conceivably affect an egg that has been fertilized. So that doesn't just mean criminalizing all abortion. It goes beyond that and likely means, according to the personhood people, it likely means criminalizing emergency contraception, criminalizing the most popular forms of birth control in the country, hormonal birth control. It would certainly mean criminalizing the IUD, which, trust me, someone you know is using right now to keep themselves from getting pregnant. It would criminalize most in vitro fertilization, even. Because that type of fertility treatment involves fertilizing eggs, not all of which end up being babies. And so, for example, um, three of Mitt Romney's sons, who have reportedly had some of their children using in vitro fertilization, like lots of people have, uh, would be considered murderers if personhood passed. Because using in vitro fertilization could make them murderers of eggs, eggs that were fertilized for the purpose of the fertility treatment and did not, then did not become babies. Mother Jones published a very challenging, sobering piece on that today. Even for people who are super, super anti-abortion, the personhood thing is seen as kind of nuts. I mean, personhood is, is remembered as the thing that was too radical, even for the hugely anti-abortion conservative electorate in Mississippi last year, right? I mean, Mississippi voted personhood down by double digits when it was on the ballot there last fall. Even the National Right to Life Committee said that what they were trying to do in Mississippi was too radical. The National Right to Life Committee called it a waste of time. And not only did personhood lose in Mississippi in 2011, it also lost in 2010 when it was on the ballot in Colorado. And that was after it lost in 2008 when it was on the battle in Colorado. And the reason it is such a hot issue today at the Paul Ryan Colorado event, attended by Fritzi Eggers and friends is because it looks like personhood is going to be on the ballot again this year in Colorado, even though it has lost by 40-plus point margins there twice already. And personhood for fertilized eggs, banning contraception, banning all abortion, banning in vitro fertilization, it may be too radical for Mississippi, it may be too radical for Colorado, but the Republican vice presidential nominee this year is the guy who sponsored personhood for the whole country. Paul Ryan co-sponsored a national ban on contraception, on all abortion, and on in vitro fertilization. When Paul Ryan was on Meet the Press back in February, David Gregory asked him whether the Republican Party was maybe focusing too much on contraception. Maybe that might hurt them in November. Paul Ryan's answer to whether he was concerned about that was no. These last couple of years have seen a really big rollback of American women's reproductive rights. And it's been, it's been a departure from just the constant fighting about abortion that has always been happening at some level in our politics. Over the last couple of years, Republicans have been fighting issues that everybody thought were settled even as we kept arguing about abortion. I mean, they've been rolling back rights over these last couple of years that American women had been taking for granted at this point. It's not just regulating abortion, it is banning abortion at certain time periods and not allowing exceptions for rape victims and incest victims, something that nine states have done over the last two years, going after rape victims and incest victims. It's voting to get rid of the entire federal family planning assistance program, Title X. It's voting to defund Planned Parenthood, to block women from getting cancer screenings and checkups and birth control. It's fighting against access to contraception. It's not just 
regulating abortion here and there. It's wholesale efforts to shut down access to abortion altogether with targeted regulations. It's no exceptions for rape and incest. It's rolling back access to contraception. These last couple of years, the Republicans have been more active, more aggressive, and more radical on this issue than at any time since Roe versus Wade was decided. And they have been successful at what they've been trying to do. Last year, Republicans passed a record number of new abortion restrictions in the states. They enacted 131 new anti-abortion laws just since the 2010 elections. It is unprecedented in the history of legal abortion in this country. And it has had a material effect on women's lives. There was a stomach-churning article in the Texas Tribune this week about abortion access now being so restricted in Texas that Texas women are crossing the border into Mexico, visiting unregulated Mexican pharmacies, and then self-medicating with drugs that they hope might induce abortion. Taking these drugs without doctor's prescriptions, without instructions from doctors on how to use them, at risk to their lives and their health. For women living near the Mexican border, Back alley abortions are back, and the new back alley is across the border in Mexico. But even as Republicans have been able to go farther in restricting these rights now than at any time in the last 40 years, there have been some things that are still just a bridge too far, like the personhood thing, for example, right? The personhood thing came nowhere near passing, not even in Mississippi. It was too far. We talked on this show last night about how Republican candidates in Colorado this year, even the ones who supported personhood the last time around, they are sprinting away from it as fast as they can this time around. They can read the polls. They know personhood is a bridge too far. The other thing that has been a bridge too far uh, is the idea of forced ultrasounds. Forced ultrasounds is something that Republicans actually did get passed last year in Texas uh, and this year in Louisiana and Arizona and in Virginia. Uh, but not until in Virginia, uh, there was a national furor over it. And that gave Virginia Governor Bob McDonald's national profile, um, a, a national profile that, that scuttled any chances he had of being picked as Mitt Romney's vice president. A Washington Post column back in February talking about how he fell off the shortlist for vice president because of the ultrasound fight he got himself into in Virginia. Assuming that the Republican presidential candidate is Mitt Romney, it would be much harder for him now to tap Governor Bob McDonnell as a running mate. The two of them would immediately have to devote time to defending the ultrasound bill. I think the moment in the sun is over, said a Republican source. The ultrasound controversy was probably very unhelpful to the calculus that Romney will make at the convention. Bob McDonnell in Virginia made the mistake of becoming nationally famous for his stance on his state's ultrasound bill. And that made him politically untouchable and toxic on the national stage. Do you want to know who co-sponsored the national version of the Bob McDonnell forced ultrasound bill? Congressman Paul Ryan of Wisconsin. Republicans uh, tried this forced ultrasound thing in a lot of states. Uh, the only reason it didn't end up going through in Pennsylvania, for example, was because Governor Tom Corbett of Pennsylvania got caught on tape explaining, in that way he has, uh, that there is an aver avert-your-eyes provision in that state's version of the bill. Making them watch and, and, and speaking to them, does that go too far in your mind? Uh, you, I don't know how you make anybody watch, <clears throat> okay, because you just have to close your eyes. You just have to close your eyes. Governor Tom Corbett explaining that is part of the reason that Pennsylvania, I think, did not get the forced ultrasound bill. Paul Ryan's bill for a national forced ultrasound law, it has the exact same avert your eyes clause.
you can see it actually in the bill. We have that there? Yeah. It's a subsection of the bill called ability to turn eyes away. That's who the Republicans pick for their vice presidential nominee. I think they did it because they thought people would not notice these things about his record. It was not what he was known for before. It is what he is getting known for now. Very quickly. Just to recap what happened, on a TV interview recently, Representative Todd Akron, who's a Republican from Missouri, was talking about rape exceptions with abortion, and he basically said if it's legitimate rape, that was his first mistake, calling it legitimate rape, then, and now here comes his second mistake, then the female body has ways to try and shut that whole thing down. So what do you guys think he meant when he said the female body has ways to try and shut that whole thing down? So... It turns out that Aiken's an acolyte of this guy, Dr. John C. Wilkie, who is sort of a, you know, crackpot of a doctor who um, was the president of the National Rights to Life Committee. And he sort of spread the myth that this was a thing. The New York Times quoted him saying, this is Wilkie. This is a traumatic thing. She's, shall we say, she's uptight. She's frightened tight and so on. And sperm, if deposited in her vagina, are less likely to be able to fertilize. The tubes are spastic. So. I love this theory. Like, <laughs> I am also really uptight <laughs> and yet incredibly fertile. <laughs> the tubes are spastic. I don't even know what that means. But this does not give it any credence whatsoever or his belief in it any credence. But Todd Aiken is not the only person who believes this. Not by which a is long what, shot. Which makes it much scarier. He didn't misspeak. It wasn't Although a Although he's now saying he is, he did. He, said, he is saying yeah. that, but I am right. not of buying that. Not. Of course not. <laughs> yeah. Of course not. We'll, we'll get into more of that later because that taps into the question of what legitimate rape is and what's consensual rape, which is another term that conservatives use. But before we completely shut that one down, is there any legitimate biological research about stress and the ability to get pregnant. Like in no, pregnancy I, books, they're always telling you, you know, relax, don't be stressed out. When you're stressed out, it's really hard to get pregnant. I mean, that's like completely standard in the how to get pregnant literature. And so is there any, you know, biological support for this is completely 100% crackpot crazy? Obviously, you can get pregnant if you're stressed out or raped because many, many thousands of people have. I don't know all the research, but I think that being a stressed out person, having like, you know, stress in your life that leads to heart disease or, you know, stress has like many medical implications. But I don't think that that's not the same thing as like actually, you know, stopping the sperm from fertilizing. Well, stress is different from trauma. Now, I guess this leads us to the question of why conservatives play around with the term rape, right? Because they want it to be as limited as possible. Like it's become socially unacceptable to be a conservative who doesn't believe in the rape exception, or at least they're ambivalent. No, that's not true, actually. 
what was so socially unacceptable about what Todd Akin said was the part about, you know, the body will shut it down. But many Republicans do not believe in rape exceptions. It is not unacceptable. It's part of their platform. Erin Carmone at Salon had actually a really good piece on this. She said, I think it's more intellectually honest for people who are pro-life to not believe in a rape exception because it's sort of saying... It's like either you believe in a woman's right to terminate a pregnancy or you don't. You know, and either you believe that this thing inside at any stage is a person right. and or then you, killing it is murder or you don't. Right. I, I agree with that. I, I mean, totally agree with that. And the rape exception, like, which you're seeing in the Hyde Amendment already in order to get federal funding for abortions, it only applies for cases of rape and incest. That just opens up such a can of worms. And then we're back to what is legitimate rape and what is not. And then, you know, the question of proving rape is always a really tough one. And it just seems like a headache that is not what we need added to this debate at all. And legitimate rape is just another code word for forcible rape, which is frequently used in conservative circles. So the outrage to Aiken seems much more tied to A, his like embarrassing ignorance of science, <laughs> and B, I think the party's concern about the women's vote. I want to get to the women's vote in a minute, but isn't that what this is revealing is the crazy tortured position the Republicans have gotten themselves into over the rape exception? So you guys are right. And I think Erin is absolutely right. It's not intellectually consistent. What's intellectually consistent is to believe in the death penalty for abortion doctors and also to have no exceptions at all, because obviously murder is a higher order crime than rape. And so if you think it's murder, it's just murder. And on the pro-choice and what's intellectually consistent is to not make exceptions in our mind for sex selection abortion or for, you know, that all of these things that seem morally questionable to a lot of pro-choice advocates, we can't draw those lines either. Right, exactly. That seems fair. But I guess the question for me is, haven't the conservatives just then gotten themselves in further trouble? Because the one single victory or language victory that the pro-choice side has won over the last 10, 15 years is this rape exception, is keep forcing that down people's throats. It's like Bill Clinton used to use this. Almost every candidate has used this as the moral line. You can't possibly think that it's okay to deny abortion to someone who's been raped. So the Republicans have been forced to take on that position. And then over the last 10 years, they've come up with this ridiculous language, which has gotten them in ever more trouble, where they're trying to decide what's legitimate rape and what's consensual rape. But my question is, doesn't this come off of like the whole date rape era? Isn't this where this is coming from? I mean, is, why is what he's saying largely different from, say, what Katie Royfe said in her book about date rape? Yes, Pro probably. <laughs> and I think people were pretty unhappy with Katie Royfe's argument back then, too. She didn't make the same biological argument, but it sort of stoked the same anger in people, right? Right, that rape is just rape. I mean, I noticed when Shauna Pruitt, which I wrote about in Double X Factor in Exo Jane, she is a woman who confessed to having had a baby after rape, which I haven't really seen before. Very few women have done that. And she wrote about her conflicted feelings around that. She very pointedly did not describe what happened to her. Mm -hmm. exactly what the rape looked like or what happened, because I think she probably has gone down this road before and been subject to the same scrutiny, like, well, what were you doing? Was he your boyfriend? You know, was it date rape or was it really rape? And so I thought it was an incredibly smart decision on her part not to reveal what actually happened to her. One point that I thought Erin made that was also very good was that the pro-choice movement in an effort to make conservatives sympathize with women who want to have abortions have focused on this rape and incest exception, even when that is not the common reason for women having abortions. It's a more sympathetic reason. It's a reason that like that many Republicans can be OK with. But in that, there's a problem. I think it's it's giving their side a lot more ammunition and a lot more leeway to say, well, OK, fine with that stuff, but not with regular abortions. Yeah, it's like the perfect victim problem. Again, you can't just 
want to have an abortion for certain reasons. It has to be for this specific reason. And it can't just be rape. It has to be like bad rape. Bad, yeah, bad rape. <laughs> and anyway, bad, imagine know. what like a weird sick world that leads to. Like if you can imagine a state which only has rape exception, you know, what you'll have is a lot of young women claiming that they were raped, you know, and then right. people doubting whether they were raped or not. Right. And then it just creates a really like an air of sort of suspicion and awfulness. Well, around our that. own Amanda Marcotte wrote a piece yesterday entitled Rape Exceptions Don't Work. And a lot of Latin American countries ban abortion except for these exceptions. But these exceptions are ignored or there's such a climate of intimidation that doctors are scared to perform the abortions. And, and there are many, many stories of young women who have been raped or have been victims of incest in Latin American countries that can't get the exception. Yeah, the question of what this would look like in practical terms is a sort of terrifying one. And I want to read one more quote from Wilkie, the, the doctor, because this is like a stunning thing. He, someone asked him, you know, if you get your way, we're going to go back to illegal abortions. And he goes, this time around, illegal abortions will be considerably safer than they were. People who do them have had a great deal of experience. Like the, the logic <laughs> inherent in that is just nuts. Yeah. Like I was just going to say, it's almost as if they want to create a wink, wink, nod, nod situation. Like they want to be living in a country in which abortion is illegal, but they kind of want to have it both ways. So they want to create this little hole and they want to, you know, they want it to be okay to sort of climb through this little hole if you need to. I'm just wondering if you guys have actually have a real fear that there's a threat to abortion rights or do you think a lot of this is like is political season stuff. You know, I'm amazed every political season. I grew up in a post Roe v. Wade era. I take abortion for granted. And I, every political season, am surprised anew by the vehemence with which people would like to eliminate abortion. I mean, it's true that the national polls show that to be an unpopular move, that largely the nation has stayed steadily in favor of first-term abortion you know, in the majority for a very, very, very long time, you know, for maybe 40 or 50 years, that's been the steady American majority. And yet there is this very strong political push to have it illegal. So, you know, because they're so vehement, it just it never dies. It doesn't go away. It doesn't wax and wane the way some other culture war issues. I mean, you see gay rights wanes, right? You feel like that movement against gay marriage is is sort of lost or they're losing. You, you have a clear sense they're losing, but you don't feel that way about abortion. Like they never seem to be losing. No, they always seem to have the same vigor that they had 20 years ago. I've just been surprised by how much like hatred there is surrounding it this time in particular. And maybe I'm just a little more attuned to it and, you know, Twitter sort of unearths things more quickly and throws them in your face more quickly. But I don't think that there's an actual existential threat to it. But it's sort of like radicalizing me. And I'm, I think of myself as a pretty moderate person. And I'm like ready to, you know, climb on the barriers. I'm like, I'm pretty upset. Now, here's the caveat to that. This Aiken thing has revealed that the Republican Party will only go so far with this issue. I mean, that's the surprise right. that came out here. I don't want to talk too much about the politics, but the ABC News clip talked about you know, how important the gender gap is for Republicans and how interested they are in winning the women's vote. And there's been a lot of pre-convention press about how Mitt Romney wants to portray himself as very warm and a family man and appeal more to women. And it seems like they immediately, instantaneously backed off this one. Like they did not give him a second. It was like one second before Karl Rove cut off his funding. It's like they recognized very, very quickly that even Republican women were not going to be on board with this one. And maybe that's some kind of progress. You know, maybe that shows that people like AK are seriously not in the mainstream. It like allies him more with the whack job, you know, profit and not with the mainstream Republican Party. I don't necessarily think it shows that he's not in the mainstream. I think it shows that they desperately want to win the White House. They're willing to sacrifice the majority in the Senate in order to do so by taking his funding and support away. I think it shows they're not sure what the mainstream is anymore. 
there are people who are supposedly the adults running the shop, but then it's getting splintered in a way that is scary even to them. You know, he's not falling in line. He's not, he's not doing what's good for the party, and that's probably frightening for them. Congressman Aiken is not alone. There are a ton of anti-choicers who believe that that women can't get pregnant from rape. This 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 sort of pseudoscience, right? That that so many people actually believe that. There are enough people in this country that actually believe that 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 women cannot get pregnant from rape. There are so many people that actually believe that that planned parenthood includes it. On their pregnancy frequently asked questions page. I'm not kidding. It's on their FAQ page about it. But scientific ignorance aside, okay? Hell, let's 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 use even the word legitimate rape aside. Aiken's views on abortion, that it's never okay, even in the case of rape, are shared by the vast majority of Republican politicians, including Congressman Paul Ryan, who is currently the vice presidential nominee. Um, Elise Hogue wrote at The Nation about how, you know, we can laugh and scoff and, and be outraged at Aiken's comments. You know, a, a, she writes, however, that the fact that we are having this conversation right now, the fact, the, the tragic fact that we're having this conversation goes to show how far right this debate his has in fact swung and it has um it goes to show how effective the right is at constantly redefining the terms of this conversation how effective they are at mainstreaming far right radical ideas i mean think about it think about this now i mean right now today today the term legitimate rape is too controversial and we 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 were all offended and we're like oh legitimate rape that is horrible right but 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 here we have a guy who's who says in response to the uproar over legitimate rape his response is Oh, I didn't mean legitimate rape. I didn't mean legitimate rape. I meant forcible rape. Forcible rape was what was controversial a year ago. It was controversial a year ago. And that is what his excuse is today. It's, is it controversial anymore? Is it controversial now? Now legitimate rape is controversial. But forcible rape is the excuse when he's saying, I didn't mean legitimate, I meant forcible. Now, now, now legitimate is controversial, but forcible is okay? No matter what happens, ultimately, with, with Congressman Aiken, whether or not, you know, what, no matter what happens, we are watching the far-right, mainstream, radical ideas right before our eyes and that is a very very frightening thing 
Hey, Jay. This is Liz. Um, I wanted to respond to your story about um, sexism on the subway, what you saw. It was really interesting to hear about that experience. I think, you know, uh, benevolent sexism is kind of the, the term we would use in a situation where, you know, a man is allowing a woman onto a train or opening a door for her, like, you know, as if because she's a woman she needs the extra help or whatever. Basically, like, yeah, he, he clearly, this guy obviously doesn't really have any real respect for women um, based on the conversation that you overheard as you were exiting the train. Um, I would like to share a little story of my own. Um, I lived for five years in Boston, currently residing in Indiana for grad school, um, but I was on the T all the time. Um, and one day I was uh, getting on the red line um, and um, I sat down at a seat that was like right next to the doors um, and I saw a man and woman get on together. They looked like they were probably Middle Eastern of some sort. Um, the woman went to go and sit across from me in an open seat between two men and the man who got on with her actually guided her to sit between me and another woman on the subway instead, uh, which I thought was really interesting, and that happened like four years ago, but it's always really stuck, stuck with me. But it's really interesting the, the kinds of interactions that you see on the subway um, in particular, so, yeah, um, and, and sexism in particular. So, benevolent sexism is something that men and women will do and uh, perform towards women. Um, really interesting stuff out there. Thanks for the show, and it's always really interesting, so yeah, bye. Jay, I love you and the show, but regarding your final comment on religion, women, morality, and a metro train, what were you thinking? I'm not trying to make out like the thought police, but you did ask for feedback. Even if we assume the worst-case scenario, I'm not even certain what your fears are all about. If I understood you correctly, the worst case is that this man's actions and comments were grounded in his religious beliefs. That may or may not be so, but I have to wonder at why this particular drama engendered so much concern, with other more serious misogynistic dramas occurring on a daily basis. In another context, this man would be dismissed as merely a chauvinist macho pig. Jay, are you old enough to remember that wonderful phrase? which many offending men took as a compliment rather than an insult? There are American Christian political leaders who would love to pass an amendment to the Constitution to ban abortion outright for any reason. I think we should worry about the logs in our own eyes before we worry too much about some chauvinist pig who happens to be wearing a robe and a head covering. And there are plenty of red-blooded American boys who objectify and disrespect women. You could say that they are misogynistic, but even that would be giving them too much credit. It's normal for a progressive to have crazy, non-progressive thoughts and feelings, but I wonder if you aired this story on an impulse, or did you share it with others first? I think that is the only useful moral to this story. So thanks, Jay, and keep up the good work. Jay, this is Dave, coach from Washington. 
follow-up to your commentary at the end of the 821 Paul Ryan episode, uh, just to confirm your sense of people. And I don't think necessarily because the guy outwardly was projecting as religious, but I think your your sense of being skeptical of his motives as he was letting women on the train is probably a good one. Um, usually when I see that sort of really overt, making a show of it in public kind of uh, chivalry, and air quotes around chivalry, which I'm sure translates really well in voicemail, it's rooted in chauvinism. It's rooted in an idea that women are in fact inferior and need whatever the chivalrous behavior is or you know oh lordy what would happen if the insert you know your bias here the strong the smart the the whatever the male is wasn't here to protect the the fairer sex then oh all these horrible things would happen um there's nothing wrong generally with opening a door for woman or letting a woman on first but when you make a big public deal of it you're trying to make a point um and yeah i get the same sort of hmm, what's this guy's what's this guy's real perspective why is he doing this this seems this seems unnecessary and showy so my two cents as always stay awesome thanks a lot jay Hi, my name is Tanya. I'm calling from Arkansas. Um, I just listened to your episode that included the story about the incident on the train where it seems that an overtly religious fellow was being rather loudly, quote-unquote, chivalrous by letting women on the train first and kind of giving everyone else a hard time for not doing that. And I have some thoughts about why that may have rubbed you the wrong way. I can tell you why it would have rubbed me the wrong way as a woman, as a secular, free-thinking woman, um, respect is not about letting me go onto the train first. It's about not being an asshole to me, uh, not trying to control my sexuality, not trying to uh, control my behavior, not assuming that I am less than human because I have female genitalia. Many patriarchal religions, especially those, um, you know, in the Judeo-Christian, Islam, uh, sort of Father God in the Sky vein um, are quick to let me, you know, go on the train first or, you know, you'll open a door for me, but you want to control every aspect of my behavior. And, uh, you know, that's not an equivalent trade. <laughs> and um, I need one of those things a whole lot more than the other. So don't pretend you respect women if you treat them like cattle. So that's why it would have rubbed me the wrong way. I don't know if that was going on in your mind, but that's how it would have struck me. So I just thought I would share that. Um, as always, great job. Love the podcast. I will definitely keep listening. I'm curious to see what others think of that story. Thanks a lot, and have a great day. Bye. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you would like to leave a comment, question, or activist call to action yourself to be played on the show, the number to dial is 206-202-3410. So uh, I definitely have some updated ideas on this story, uh, but I'm going to start by responding to the one person in any format, voicemail or otherwise, to react negatively to, to all of this. It was the, the second message I played today, and I think he missed the point in a couple of different ways. One, trying to sort of restrict 
the number of things that we're allowed to talk about or, or be upset by because other things elsewhere are worse. So in this case, because Republicans are actually trying to legislate women's bodies, we then can't focus in and talk about uh, you know, you know, an individual case of chauvinism and, and sort of try to extrapolate that from some lessons or, or, you know, whatever may come of this. And that to me just doesn't pass the smell test. Like just because things are worse elsewhere, you're still allowed to have a conversation about things that are less bad, but still bad. The second thing I think he missed though was to, to compare this guy that I told the story about, uh, to, to just a plain chauvinist because uh, the, really, the point of the story was that he was being benevolently sexist, my new favorite term. I, I got that from a voicemail today. I love that. So he was being benevolently sexist and then overtly sexist. And so he was really putting on a show of, of showing that he's being respectful to women while not really being that way at all. And so – so to compare him to just a sexist who's like, yeah, you know, women are meat and, uh, you know, I like to have sex with them. Like to, to make that comparison isn't right because uh, actually – and I, I honestly, I didn't think about it in, until now. I was actually more offended by him making sure women were allowed to board the train first than his, uh, you know, ugly comment, uh, you know, that was overtly sexist and gross. And that's it's kind of bizarre to, to phrase it that way. I was more offended by his benevolent, uh, you know, chivalry in giant air quotes. And and so I thought about that. And, you know, what, what I'm thinking now is that at least one major thing that I don't like about it is that, you know, perpetuating those sort of outdated ideas of chivalry perpetuates a patriarchal society and all of the negative ramifications that come along with that. And then this actually came to mind. This is a throwback to a, a conversation about feminism from months ago is the idea that when you perpetuate those sorts of sexist stereotypes that, you know, women are weaker, they need to be uh, given special privileges like getting on the train first, or that's how you show deference to them while secretly, you know, thinking that men should be in control of their bodies that those ideas actually become sort of widely accepted by the women themselves. And it's not just, you know, a gender issue uh, between men and women. It, it's an issue between any groups or classes of people. When a group of people is treated in a certain way and it is really like driven home by society that they are this way or they need to be treated this way, uh, like, you know, like the caste system in India, the, like those sorts of ideas, when you tell people who they are and how they act and that they're weak or whatever, all of those ideas get internalized. And so, you know, when sexism is, is allowed to be perpetuated regularly throughout society, that becomes internalized by both men and women and sort of re-solidifies everyone in their place where society has put them. And that is the sort of idea that, you know, modern day progressives want to change because we recognize that the, all those outdated ideas are outdated for a reason and that we can work toward equality and we can do that by recognizing the wrongheadedness of all of those benevolently sexist ideas from the past. 
So those are my thoughts on that. Please keep those comments coming in if you have them. The number again, 206-202-3410. So that's going to be it for today. Thanks to everyone who supports the show, especially uh, by becoming a member or making a one-time donation. That is how the show survives and keeps going. Of course, everyone can support the show just by telling everyone you know about it and by spreading the word of individual clips you particularly like through your social networks. That can be done through the website, of course. Stay tuned into the show between episodes by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter. And for details on the show itself, including links to all the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information is always posted in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from inside the Beltway, yet outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you every third day, thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com. Black and white, you took apart a picture that wasn't right.